want to continue talking to you. Earlier this week on Tuesday, we began to address the racial injustice in our land and the ongoing problem that has been going on for years, hundreds of years. A problem that is at its root a deep and wicked sin. It's not just a surface issue. It is a root of evil that goes all the way down to Satan himself, which desires to destroy any person who was created in the image of God. I just want to remind you today of some key things. And just as we begin to talk into the Word of God about how we can, as the church, help lead our world in reconciliation, I just want to remind you today that the Bible teaches in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 27 that God created mankind in His own image. And in the image of God, He created them. Male and female, He created them. God took delight when he created mankind in his image. It was his great pleasure to create us in his image. Earlier uh, last week, I was listening to a, uh, a North Korean refugee uh, describe her experience of escaping North Korea and finding a better life in South Korea, which took her almost two months of a journey of trying to get out of North Korea, an uh, organization that helps uh, refugees or escape from North Korea and to find a better life in another place. But she said something that was so profound and so true in her, as the, she was describing her experience that I thought, wow, what if we all had that perspective today? She said as she was describing uh, what she had went through and describing her life in North Korea and now her new life in South Korea, she said this, she says that we can't choose our parents, we can't choose our hometown or country, but we can choose our life. And I thought, wow, isn't that so true today that none of us here today, not one of us, nobody, we didn't choose our parents, we didn't choose the color of our skin. But you know who did? God did. And God placed us exactly where we needed to be, who we were made to be, where in this life where we needed to be. And God doesn't allow any of us, because of the way we look, or because of the way we were made, we didn't choose that. We're here because God placed us here, not because of some other person, but because God allowed it. And so therefore, it doesn't give any person the right to look at somebody and say something towards them or do harm towards them or continue to allow an ongoing prejudice to define a certain people group. And to our many brothers and sisters, our African-American brothers and sisters in our country who feel that way, it is an injustice and we should not allow it as the church. We shouldn't be a people who uh, give way to that. We must be a people that continue to say that it is sin and it is not right. That every person was created in the image of God. And until our world realizes that and doesn't deny them anything less than that, then we must continue to be a voice that speaks truth into our world about who God created us to be. And so this morning, I want to talk to you a little bit more about this issue of racial injustice but more specifically, I want to get to what Jesus describes and what God describes as really a solution, as what the Bible teaches us, a way to find reconciliation. The Bible is not a stranger 
to racial injustices. You can go all the way back in the very beginning of the Bible, the beginnings of the Bible, and you can see how racial injustices went on and on and on and continued all the way to the very end of the Bible. Over and over again, the Bible is not a stranger to addressing these issues. The Bible knew how to deal with that. And as long as sin is upon the earth, there is going to be racial injustice. But we as the church can be the ones who continue speaking truth and speaking hope that push back that darkness and continue to conquer it day by day, year by year. We want to bring an end to racial injustice, and it will come as we as God's people continue to proclaim the truth of God's word. So let's continue to look today. Today I've titled this message, and it's not going to mean anything to you until the very end, and that's okay. But today I've titled this message, Whispers from a Pallet. Whispers from a Pallet. There's a man in the Bible, his name is John, and John writes at length about loving one another. In 1 John, we begin to see his, just his heart that expresses such an admonishment to the church to love each other. He tells them over and over again, love one another. And not only does he tell them that, but he tells them, dear little children. He calls them his children as he was his father trying to speak to them and help them realize, don't forget, please love one another. Love one another. And so today we're going to read from 1 John chapter 3 and chapter 4. There is so much I wanted to read from you today, uh, to, to you from 1 John, uh, but we just do not have the time to read all that wanted to say. If I, if I could this morning, I would just read to you the whole letter of 1 John, and I want to encourage you this morning to go and read 1 John. And then once you finish with 1 John, go back and read the other book he wrote, the Gospel of John. And just look at how John writes and how he encourages the church and how he describes God. It's so powerful and so mighty. So let's look at 1 John chapter 3, verse 11. He says, This is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. By this we know love that he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. John gives us an interesting perspective here, which is the truth. He tells us that love is defined by what Jesus did on the cross by laying down his life for us. That is what love is defined by. And today we're going to talk at extent about love. But what you're going to understand that love that we're talking about, this type of love, love is from above. It is a fruit of the Spirit. It is a work of God in our hearts. The type of love that is able to love even our enemies is the only the type of love that can come from heaven. The type of love that when Jesus was hanging upon a cross, looked at them and said, Father, forgive them for they don't even know what they're doing. That is a type of love that only comes from heaven. That's not the type of love we see in Hollywood. That's not the type of love that is just out there floating around and we hope to grasp on Valentine's Day. No, this is a deep type of love. This is a supernatural type of love. And it is a love that we all need in our hearts. And it is a love that John encourages us today that should be in the heart of every believer. 
He goes on to encourage them that if we see our brother in need, but we close our heart, he says, how does the love of God dwell in you? It's one thing to say you've got love. It's one thing to open up your mouth and say something, but it's another thing to actually show it in deed and in truth. And this is what John is trying to get to them. Is don't just be a people who say you love one another, but when you get into the daily nitty-gritty of life, there is no evidence of love. He's telling them, make sure that there is actually love being demonstrated through your life in deed and in truth. When the doors are closed... When the lights are off and nobody is looking, what's going on in our hearts? Can I tell you today, when we're talking about love, nobody is exempt here today from stopping and searching our hearts and saying, God, is your love inside of me? All of us here today, including myself, we have to practice daily searching our hearts and asking, Lord, is there anything in me that's causing me to be prejudiced against someone? It's causing me to deny someone the gift of God of life. All of us, we have to ask those questions inside of us, and it's a deep searching that has to go on. John goes on to describe love in 1 John chapter 4. He says this, he says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Did you catch that? John said that if we love each other, then that, sa that says that we've been born of God and that we know God. John's teaching us some interesting principles here, and this is all going to really make sense in a few moments as we t talk about this a little bit more. He says, anyone who does not, does not love does not know God because God is love. And in this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. In other words, John is saying that if you want to see God, then let the love of God fill your hearts. Let the love of he from heaven, the one that came upon the cross, let that love fill your hearts today. John goes on to describe love, in the, as we read in chapter 3, as the type of love that's willing to lay down your life for a brother. That's a deep type of love. I remember years, a few years ago when my wife and I were dating, I had to come to a place in, my, my, in our dating that I, is it time to say I love you? And for me, that was a, that was a deep commitment. That meant I had to really understand what I was saying. I'm not the type of person to just throw around, I love you, unless I really mean it. Because what I realized was that John taught us, Jesus taught us, that there's no greater love than when a man lays down his life for another. And so I had to ask myself the question, am I willing to lay down my life for her? And as that question became more evident to me, it was an absolute yes. And that's the way we should search all of our hearts today is, or do we have the type of love that we're willing to lay down our life for one another? 
This was the practice of the early church. They were willing to lay down their lives for one another. They served together. They walked together. They worshiped together. They preached the gospel together, willing to lay down their lives for one another because they knew that their reward was in God Almighty, the one who had taught them how to love. And so this morning, as we're going to discuss, it first starts with this. As John teaches us about loving one another. That if we are ever going to be a people who bring the overdue reconciliation that our world needs to see. The reconciliation that brings us together with God and with one another. Then we must, hear me today, please church, hear me today. Then we must be a people that regularly practice reconciliation with God and one another and understand what reconciliation looks like. If we're going to be the type of people that want to see our world healed of the great racial injustices and the great divide that is existing between races, then we must be a people who regularly practice that among us. If the church cannot get this, if the church cannot practice this, then how will we tell the world that God is love and that we ought to love one another? We have got to be able to grasp this as the people of God in our own lives and as a church. To bring a reminder to you today, I'm going to use this word reconciliation a lot. And reconciliation is a big word that basically means the act of making peace between one another. I want to see that happen in our world. And I want to see that happen in our future. And I want to see that happen for all of my brothers and sisters who have continued suffering and great injustice. I want to see reconciliation done. But it's going to happen when we as a church begin to practice this in our daily lives. This is the first step, is that we learn how to practice this among one another. The New Testament letters are addressed over and over again to helping the church realize the need for walking together in love and loving one another. If you've been reading through the New Testament in your own devotional life lately, if you start at the letter of Romans and you go all the way to Revelation, I can tell you there is not one book in between there where there is not a writer in there, Paul, Peter, James, maybe another, where they are trying to encourage the church to reconcile with one another. They had their differences. It might have been Jew or Gentile. It might have been, does the gospel go over here or over here? It might have been among uh, whatever it was. There was always differences. There was always racial divides in the church. But the apostles, the leaders of the church were always writing over and over again. Brothers and sisters, you must learn to walk together in love. If we're going to bless the world, if we're going to preach the gospel, then you have to learn to practice this type of reconciliation among one another. So today I want to talk to you about some practical things about how do we as the church love one another. How do we walk in love? What does this look like? How do we practice this on a daily basis? What does this look like in the days to come? I can tell you today that this is probably day 13 of national protest. And rightly so, our nation needs to hear that this should stop. This racial injustice should stop. But as a church, 
we've also got to uh, we've got to get it together in our hearts that we are not going to be a part of the problem, but part of the solution. And part of that means that in the days to come, we will practice reconciliation among one another. We will help lead the world in reconciliation with one another and with God. And it starts with us as the church. If God's people can't get to get can't get it together, then how in the world do we expect the world to get it together? We've got to do this. So let's talk about some practical things here today. And I I really hope that you're hearing my heart today. I want to see the world come to know the fullness of God. And it starts with us as a church being the people that God wants us to be. So let's talk number one. How do we walk in reconciliation? How do we walk in love with one another? Number one, we forgive. We forgive. We've got to be a people of forgiveness Jesus taught us in Matthew chapter 6, he says this, so that if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. In other words, it doesn't matter how much you have or how much you've been blessed with. If you can't forgive someone, that gift means nothing. A gift means nothing. Jesus goes on to teach in the Beatitude or in the, the Sermon on the Mount. He goes on to teach that as we pray the Lord's Prayer, pray this way. Father, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Your forgiveness, our forgiveness inside of us from the Father is dependent upon how we forgive someone else. Forgiveness is not a practice that we do when we feel like it. It is not a practice we do when we want to. It is not a practice that we do when our flesh just simply uh, doesn't, uh, just feels like it. No, it is something that we regularly have to practice as believers in Jesus Christ as the love of God fills our hearts and enables us to do so. Holding a grudge against someone. I want to encourage you today, brothers and sisters, holding something against someone today, a grudge, holding a, a, something maybe they said to you against them. Maybe, they, maybe you were right and they were wrong. I want to encourage you today. That's a dangerous road to go down. Don't go there. Forgiveness among the believers. Hear this today. Forgiveness among the believers is a sign of spiritual maturity. When we learn to forgive one another, when we learn to get past the the silly scrabbles among us, get past the gossip, get past the little stuff that is just meaningless, when we learn to get past all of that and forgive each other, we will develop a spiritual maturity that is likened to the life of Christ. Immaturity among the believers is when we say, she did this, he did that. And we don't do anything about it. We sound like children instead of humbling ourselves to repent and say, it's okay. They might have been wrong, but I forgive you. That's the love of Christ filling our hearts. The second thing is if we're going to walk in love, if we're going to practice a daily lifestyle of loving one another, then it means that not only that we forgive, but we repent. We repent. John said, and if you go back and read in 1 John chapter 3, he says, everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. That's not my words, that's the Bible's words. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. John is trying to demonstrate the gravity of hate. 
He equates hatred with murder. This is why racism is sin, because it is hatred deep within the heart that is equivalent to murder. This is why John is trying to demonstrate the gravity of hate. Hate takes life. It does not give life. It robs somebody of life. It robs somebody of the enjoyment of life. It robs somebody of being able to have the freedom to live life. We have to be the type of people that do not welcome hate in our hearts. But I want to teach you here something today. Because the Bible does teach about times where God has hate. You can go and read in Proverbs where the Bible describes that God hates different sins. You can go and read in Revelation chapter 3 as Jesus is addressing the churches. He talks about he hates the work of the Nicolaitans who were idol worshipers. He tells them over and over again that he hates it. Hate against evil is welcomed by Jesus. But God himself hates evil. But hate against a person is an injustice and an offense to God because people are made in the image of God. We are not called to hate people. We are called to hate evil, called to hate injustice, called to hate sin. That even Jesus himself hates. We have to be a people that regularly practice repentance, that we safeguard our hearts from the evils that so desire to approach upon us. We have to be careful that we regularly practice this lifestyle of searching our hearts, humbling ourselves and saying, maybe there is something in me that needs to be rid of me. Don't be a proud person. Don't be an arrogant person. But say, God, yes, I need forgiveness. I need to my heart to be searched. So I want to walk you through the steps of repentance today. Number one, or the steps of repentance are this. Number one, realize, confess, ask, and turn. We realize our sin, we confess it to God, and we ask God's forgiveness. And then here is the hard part where most people get stumbled upon, is that you turn away from it. Repentance literally means to turn away. That means that you never go back to that again. That means that when you ask for God's forgiveness, you leave that behind and you do a 180 and walk away from it. You drop it, you move away from it, never again to pick it up. You leave it behind. We need repentance. We need repentance in the church. We need repentance in our lives. You know, I have been so encouraged to see how many people are coming to say, yes, maybe something has existed in my heart and beginning to repent and beginning this process of healing and recovering. Because if you observe church history, repentance, listen to me, has always been the forerunner of revival in our nation. When the church has realized and when the people of our nation have begun to repent and come and look and see the sin within their hearts. It has always been what has led to a great outpouring of God's spirit in the land. And if we'd so desire to see the many hearts turning to God and away from evil, it starts with repentance, with looking up to the heart and uh, to the heart of the father and saying, God, I'm sorry. God, I, maybe I have had an injustice towards someone in my heart. I'm sorry. Taking the step to repent. Maybe you've got deep hatred in your heart. Taking the step to repent and say, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Lord. I want this to be healed. It starts with forgiveness. It starts with repentance to walk in love. Next, 
we have to unite. We forgive. We're going to walk in love as the church. We forgive. We repent. And then we unite. Last Sunday was Pentecost Sunday. Great Sunday as we remember the day as the church that the Holy Spirit came upon the church and filled them with the power as they were together as one accord in the upper room praying. But I want you to note, if you go back and read Acts chapter 2, that it was when the disciples were in one accord that the Holy Spirit descended upon them and empowered them. Listen today. Backbiting, slandering, gossip. They are tools of the enemy to break the bond of the Holy Spirit. The church is in its greatest element when we are united. The church is in its greatest strength when we are put together by the bond of the Holy Spirit. And I can tell you today that God will not bless division, but God will bless unity. God will pour out his spirit upon the church that says we are one together. We are together for the mission of the gospel of the kingdom of God. I urge you today, brothers and sisters, we all have our differences. We all have the things that we have our different opinions. But I want to encourage you today, for the sake of the ministry, for the sake of the church, don't tear down another person. Don't speak evil of another person. Don't allow us to be divided. Because when we begin to be divided, we inhibit the work of God among us. We inhibit the great outpouring of the Holy Spirit into the life of the church. I was reading this quote this past week from a commentator that says, True power resides not in human structures, corporations, or governments, or institutions, or nations, but rather in divine gifts that are used to benefit others. If you go back and you read 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, you'll see how Paul is admonishing the church to use their gifts to build up one another, to encourage them to bring life to each other, to use the gift of the Holy Spirit to speak hope and to speak encouragement that the gifts of God would bring us together, that the gifts of God were given for the building up of the church, not the tearing down. We forgive. We repent. And we will unite. If we're going to learn how to walk in love with one another, if we're going to do the words of John that we love one another, then we must learn how to practice those things. And I urge you today, church, I urge you, I speak to you today from my heart, from the bottom of my heart, and I'm here with you today. We must search our hearts today. Search our hearts. Search our hearts for uh, continued injustice. Continue to search our hearts are we allowing something to come between me and a brother or sister in Christ? Are you speaking evil against somebody? Are you tearing down? There's no place for that in God's church. We must be the people who regularly forgive, we repent, and we unite together as God's church. I'm telling you that if we can grab these things, if we can get a hold of all of this, if we can just begin to live a lifestyle of allowing God's love to fill our hearts. The greatest days for the church are ahead of us. The greatest days of revival and repentance are ahead of us in the land around us. If we can practice this. To beginning to close, I want to kind of bring all this together. If you go back to our, I told you I titled this sermon, 
whispers from a pallet. That was intentional and on purpose because I wanted to bring to you the words, rather the whispers, of a man from a pallet. We've been talking about the Apostle John and reading his words as he admonished the church, Dear children, love one another. Dear children, please hear me. God is love. Practice that type of love. Love one another. Put, put away all the, the stuff that's going on in between. Put away all the, the backbiting, the slandering, the gossip. Put away all that stuff and learn how to love one another. John was an interesting disciple. If you go back and you look at John's life in the Bible, you'll see that John was the only one that when Jesus was arrested, that he didn't run away. And if you, we go back and we read in church history, according to church history, John was the only disciple after the, after the 11 who did not die a martyrdom death. In other words, he, he, he died of natural causes, among, uh, unlike the others who were persecuted for their faith and ultimately killed. And John, in the Gospel of John, he called himself the beloved disciple. John had an interesting perspective. If you read the Gospel of John, John the Gospel of John is unlike any other, uh, any other book in the Bible except the letters he wrote. He gives a perspective that is unique. He uses the word love more than any other writer, most likely. He talks about love over and over again. As I began to read the words of John, love one another, as I, if you read 1 John, just circle every time he says love one another. It's amazing how many times he said that. As I began to reflect, I noticed that uh, there's an early church tradition that said that the Apostle John, in his old age, after he had survived but miraculously escaped being boiled in a vat of oil, and his, he was exiled to the Isle of Patmos, the Bible says that in, in, the, in his old age, when he was getting ready to go to church, he was so feeble, he couldn't walk anymore. He wasn't able to get to church on his own. He began to lose his strength in his body. And so the Bible says that the church, others in the church, would come alongside of John. They would put him on a pallet and they would carry him to the church gatherings. And the early church traditions records that John in his feeble strength, he couldn't talk much. He, didn't have, he wasn't able to give the sermons that he gave before and the encouragement. So all the church would hear from John on the pallet as they carried him to the church gatherings as he would begin to whisper, Dear children, love one another. Dear children, please love one another. That was all he had left to say in him in his old age and his feeble strength. You know, and I began to reflect, I thought, God, why in the world would John, as, as he's in his old age, his, his death is imminent. He survived a vat of oil miraculously. And the words that he would say to the church over and over again, the church that he loved so much, what would he say? Love one another. You see, John was the only disciple. As I mentioned to you earlier, when all the other disciples ran away, he was sitting at the foot of the cross no other, the other disciples were nowhere to be found. They were in hiding. But there was John at the foot of the cross. And the Bible teaches us that John was there. And John was the only one. John was the only disciple who would look up to the cross. And he would see his friend Jesus. The one whom he loved. The one whom he would put his head against his chest. He would see John. He would see Jesus there rather. 
And he would see blood coming down. He would watch as they put the nails in his hands. He would watch as they put the nails in his feet. He watched as they began to ridicule and mock him. They wa- he watched as they put a crown of thorns on his head. He watched as they took a spear and drove it into his side. And there at the foot of the cross, he was just watching the puddle of blood come down from the cross that was shed for you and I. This is why John would write words that none of the other writers would record. He would write words that said this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. This is why John would write words that no other disciple would record and say, Greater love has no man than when a man lays down his life for another. Because with John's own eyes, he had literally witnessed love before him. He had saw the definition of love. This is why he would admonish the church over and over again to love one another. Because he knew that the solution to the the division among them, the solution that the world needed was to simply get a picture of the love that he saw upon the cross. That he looked up and would see his friend Jesus laying down his life for him. He literally had the image before him. So this is why John, as he would whisper from a pallet, he would tell the church, Dear little children, love one another. Love one another. Because he realized that if the church could just grasp this, if we could just truly have an understanding of what love is, then we will know the love that our world needs so desperately. I want to ask you today, brothers and sisters, do you have a revelation of what love is? You know that your Savior, He came and He did all that upon a cross for you, just like John witnessed. And He did it so, the Bible says that He tore down the walls of hostility. He got rid of all of that. He wants us to be united. He wants us to forgive. He wants us to practice a lifestyle of repentance. So today I ask you, I ask myself, is there something that is hindering our walk with God? Is there something between us, a brother and sister? Is there hatred lying within? I want to encourage you today to call that person. You've got unforgiveness and find reconciliation. Ask for their forgiveness. Apologize. Turn away. Repent. Leave that life behind and repent. Maybe you're hearing me today for the first time and this is the first time you've heard about what our Savior did upon the cross. I want to tell you today, repentance is open. John knew very well. He knew this. This is why he also wrote the words in 1 John 1 and 9 that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of all of our unrighteousness because He literally saw it with His eyes. He watched it upon the cross. He watched as the sin of the world came upon Him and it was right there for you and I. And if you today, if you'll confess your sins and repent, turn away from that sin. Don't go back to it. Let that life be behind you and walk towards the arms of Christ. I want to tell you today that there is a great love available for you and I. May we learn, as Jesus taught us how to love one another, may we also learn how to love one another. Today and in the weeks to come, In this upcoming year, in the months to come, as we are looking to find an answer to this great racial injustice, may we remember the whispers from a pallet. Dear children, love one another. Let that be the mark of the church 
as John 15 so taught us, that the world will know that we are his disciples by the way we love one another. I want to pray for you today, and I want to pray life would come to you from God's Holy Spirit. Let's pray this morning. Lord, today I thank you for your words. God, we stand before you, and the world that we see, it causes us to weep inside and mourn. And some, God, sometimes we just don't even have the words to say. Lord, I know what the world needs is a fresh baptism of your love. They need to see love. They need to understand what love really is, is that love that you taught us is when one lays down his life for another. Shed your life for us, Father. And God, may we as a church begin to embrace that in our own lives today. May we remember the words, the whispers from a pallet from John to love one another. God, I thank you today. Lead us in forgiveness today. Lead us in repentance and lead us in unity today. Holy Spirit, I pray a fresh outpouring would come upon your church. I just sense this today. I pray, God, if we'll learn how to practice forgiveness, if we'll learn how to practice repentance and unity among us, oh, we'll see the best days ahead of us as a church. God, would you use us as the church to lead our world in reconciliation between one another and back to you, Father. God, I thank you today. I want to thank you for every person who's watching. If there's someone who's watching today and they have not begun a life of following you, I pray today, God, that you would lead them into confession and let them know that, God, you are willing to forgive them of all of their unrighteousness today. God, I thank you today. Lead them in an eternal life relationship with you today. God, I thank you for your love that you taught us today. May we have a better perspective of this love in the days to come. God, I bless your name. I want to pray for our world today. I want to pray for our church, God. God, in this upcoming week, God, lead us. Lead us to be blessings of love. Help us to carry the type of love that you taught us into the world and into our church. God, we thank you today. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus, the one who gave his life upon a cross for us that we pray today. Amen. I want to thank you so much for watching today, praying for you today. And so look forward to in-person gathering as we're beginning to acclimate to that over the next few weeks. Thank you so much for joining us today. I want you to know that if you have begun to make a decision to follow Christ today or you need help on your journey of following Christ, please text us, hello, ANC, to 97000. We would love, it would be no greater joy than to help you walk in this journey of following Christ today. God bless you. We so love you, church, and miss you. We pray you have a great week. God bless you.